Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. Tonight's topic is born out of a couple things that were bouncing around on social media in a post I made, and it got a lot of interesting feedback, and I thought, let's turn this into a topic. Sometimes... You know, I'm sure you all have this where you're moving through the world, you have just like a thought or an idea. It's not that deep. It's not that big. It doesn't feel that groundbreaking. And you kind of just like float it out there and someone's like, yo, I needed to hear that today. Wow, that really hit. So it was kind of one of those things. And I was like, hey, let's broaden it out and make it into an, into an important topic, which I think trust and commitment are. So that's kind of what we're talking about. What is, what is trust and commitment? How is it demonstrated? A lot of times I talk on the show maybe about how to build trust, how to, how to, how to um, work on commitment. And uh, we'll talk about that a lot often in response to things like infidelity. But how do we just demonstrate in our day-to-day lives when maybe things are a little difficult, but no one's done anything problematic like abuse or, or infidelity or anything that would really create a, a standardized struggle, but how do we just in the smaller levels and what do we want to make sure we're doing or not doing? Um, because oftentimes in relationships and in, in individual mental health and social relationships, it's the accumulation of the smaller things. And it's the smaller things we do that build up to a better foundation or a weaker, more fragile foundation. And so it's kind of like um, banking. <laughs> You're always making little deposits and maybe those little deposits don't mean much in the moment, putting $5 in your banking account, your savings account or $20, but it builds. And then at some point it's a hefty impact when it goes from five or $20 to hundreds or thousands of dollars. And those daily, daily deposits, again, over the course of time become something that has a hefty impact. What does it then mean to have hundreds or thousands of dollars in your bank account? It means a lot more than it did in that moment, just putting five bucks in the account thinking, what is five bucks really going to do? Is $5 really going to make it or break it? Well, yes, it will when that's an investment made every single day. So translation into whatever relationship we're talking about, parent, child, siblings, family, colleague to colleague, friend to friend, marital partner to marital partner, these little things build up. And you might say, eh, in the moment, it doesn't matter. I'll just let myself off the hook and engage in some name calling or bad behavior. But it does. Because also remember that our brains are associative. That is what they do as a protective mechanism. What you do, what they experience, bam, that is encoded. And so every time you show up at your friend's house, every time you text your partner, they are going to feel, based on the association they, based on the association they have of you, 
from the most recent experiences, that's how they're going to feel. Don't you want your friend to see a text from you and to have them smile or get excited to open it? They will if they're most uh, if their last few experiences with you were positive, they will associate your name on their phone with a text as f- as feeling good. Same thing with your partner. If the past couple interactions you've had with them over the past couple hours and days and weeks haven't been positive, well, then when you when they hear you say, hey, babe, come here, or when you come home from work, they're not going to have positive associations with your presence because your presence traditionally or historically hasn't been one that's brought anything that's felt good. And so that's why these small things we do every day add up. So that's the good news and the bad news. Bad news is everything you do counts. Good news is it's flexible. We can change it. It's plastic. It's malleable. What was doesn't have to be what always is. You can work on creating a new association with other people and work on having other people have better associations of you. That's the work. Um, I even talk about that within eroticism. You know, foreplay isn't something we do before we get to eroticism. Foreplay is what we've done all day long and all week long. Because again, when you approach your partner for some form of eroticism or affection or sensuality, their response is going to be rooted in how it has felt for days or weeks to be around you or to be in a marriage with you. If you've been very irritable and very difficult for days or weeks or months, then yes, when you approach them for affection or sensuality or eroticism, they're not necessarily gonna have a positive feeling about you and they're not gonna wanna settle in and, and, and engage with you on that level. And so foreplay, our relational health, all has to do with what we've been doing for the past days, weeks, and months and years. Harness the power of that and use it in your favor and in the benefit of your relationship. So that's kind of the framework and the groundwork and um, the defense as to why we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about with trust and commitment and how we can demonstrate it consistently um, based on my social media posts. Uh, so let me just give you the tagline. What it was, this is what, this is what created this whole topic. I had posted something many years ago that said, relationships are the art and practice of loving the imperfections in ourselves and in our partners, right? So that basically means when you're in a relationship with someone of any kind, it really is about learning how to accept them and all the imperfections that they bring because we also bring that into other people's lives and we want them to be willing to accept those parts of us. We have to accept those parts in others because nothing's perfect. We can't be looking for perfect. We can't be looking for a hundred percent. And so we have to demonstrate that understanding and that maturity by dealing with and sticking around through disappointments, letdowns, and imperfections. See how that works. That's part of being in relationship. But some people think it always has to be perfect. And so whenever something's off, they want to work on it or, or improve it. And there's something positive in that. But then there's also something in that that's toxic, implying there shouldn't ever be any issues. There have to be. There's going to be things we have to accept. So we're going to come back and talk about that. And then, of course, we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, and past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Stick around. More to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, talking about this quote. I'm going to read it again to y'all because I think there's something important in this. Relationships of all kinds are the art and practice of loving the imperfections in ourselves and in our partners. And what that basically means is to be in relationship to someone on any level in any way is about having to accept and allow certain parts of them that maybe we struggle with or don't like. There's a loose working rubric that we use in psychology or couples therapy specifically, which is, and again, you know, standard deviation around this, but um, there's about a third of issues that we can completely resolve. Awesome. There's about a third of issues that will only get improved. Okay. And there's a third of issues that will never get resolved, never get improved, and they will always remain. And that is what it's like to be that person's best friend, to be that person's brother, or to be that person's wife. And otherwise we want perfect. Perfect doesn't exist. We all know that, but yet we often imply otherwise by saying, yeah, but I don't like this one thing. Well, sometimes that one thing is what you have to just accept and allow to be in this person's life and to have them in your life. That is when we build and show trust and commitment is what we do during those times of disappointment and letdown. So that's the takeaway. There's the, um, that's the, uh, what do I call it? That's the spoiler alert. So again, trust and commitment are best and most powerfully and most meaningfully demonstrated by what we do during difficult times. So that's your big moment. Times are tough between you and your sibling. How you manage that, how you show up in that is what will build trust. And that's why I say this all the time when I'm talking on the show about communications, uh, I'm sorry, communication skills and healthier relational perspectives is that it's not about you know, the work isn't about the absence of fighting and conflict, meaning the goal isn't to never have conflict or to never fight. That is expected. I I make no assessments based on that. What I do assess and what the work is about is making sure those conflicts and that fighting is done in a loving, soft way and that you repair and resolve, period. So if I say to a couple, hey, how's your week been? I don't mean, and, and if they say it's been great, that doesn't mean they didn't fight or have conflict. It's been great. And now my clients are trained to say this because we managed those things well. It didn't harm us. They actually brought us closer. We are stronger because of it. So the week was great. A week being great isn't about the absence of those things. It's about the management of those things. How well did you do? Because that's going to happen. Some people's job industries, you get that, where it's always going to be, you know, um, I don't, (laughs) without using foul language, I don't know how to explain it. When everything's a mess, it's a, you know, crap show. Um, And you understand that when your boss says, "How how did the night shift go? It's not about whether or not drinks were spilled and things were broken. It's more about we managed it, everyone survived, but yeah, the things that are expected happened. Okay, it's human nature. So, you know, again, we have to be willing to accept the third of things that just aren't gonna ever change. 
because of our nervous systems, because of our trauma histories, because of our families of origin, because of our life experiences, um, because of our different identities in the world. Um, and we have to allow for that. And that's how we build trust and commitment. So that's your big moment when someone lets you down. And what we don't want to do is cut people out of our lives temporarily or permanently when those hard times occur, because then you're showing to someone like, I'm not here through the tough times with you. And that's when we most need people. And that's again, when trust and commitment are best shown and felt times are tough. We're going through a rocky, rocky phase in our marriage or in our friendship, but we're still there for each other. And we allow that and we stick around and we work through it versus saying, peace, I'm out. Some people always do that. The minute something's wrong or off, they're out. And they'll say, we're not compatible. They're not a good person. They're a narcissist. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe not. But you're telling on yourself by saying, you don't know what real relationships are about and you don't really stick around. And in fact, and it moves us to our next point, what you're really showing is that your love, care, and friendship or whatever it is are conditional. And they're conditional upon things going well and feeling good. And when they're not, I'm out. But they're, they can't always be going well. And so that's telling that person, man, this is a very flimsy, fragile relationship because I don't know how to stick around and I won't. So again, it's a hard conundrum because some issues are worth exiting over. And that's always the disclaimer. If there's physical, emotional, or psychological abuse, bounce. Someone's name calling, bullying, threatening, hitting, leave. That's toxic, that's abusive. We don't stick around for violence. Outside of that, there still is the question of, is this too much work? Cause I say that on the show as well. Things, relationships take work, but they shouldn't take a lot, a lot of work. That might be a sign you're not compatible or you have deeper relational mental health issues that just aren't gonna get resolved. Just cause we wanna be friends with someone, just cause we wanna be married to someone doesn't mean we can pull it off. So that's embedded in there. I'm not implying that all relationships should continue to exist. There is health in saying this friendship has gone as far as it can. This relationship has gone as far as it can. I've done shows on breaking up with friends. I'll do them again because I think it's a really important concept that we have a lot of anxiety around. How do we end friendships? Um, it seems like a strange thing, but sometimes they need to end. So again, I'm not implying that everything that begins should be sustained forever. Of course, not at all. But we don't want it to be because times are just difficult. There has to be something deeper tied to it. So again, we don't want to be one of those people that's what they call like a fair weather friend where I'm around when things are cool and fun, but when they're not, I'm out. That's conditional. It's conditional love, conditional trust, conditional commitment. People will feel that. They will know it's flimsy. Because people will let you down. People will frustrate you. People will disappoint you. We have to stick it through. That's important. Again, we demonstrate love, care, and commitment and trust when we stick around and work through difficult times. We often are maybe avoidant in our nature and we want to lean out. We want to run away when things feel hard. Maybe we're more anxious in our attachment style and we fight and we protest and we cling. We want to kind of do the in-between, which is we settle down and we stay present and we work through because it's not about who's right or wrong, which is what a lot of fights become about who's going to be right. Who's going to be wrong. Who's going to be correct in their, you know, memory of what happened. And you're, you're missing the point. The point is we feel disconnected. How can we reconnect? How can we use this conversation to reconnect? Maybe we'll both disagree with the other person's stance, but it isn't about agreeing. And that's not where we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to a place where we can hear each other and go, huh, we both see it very differently and that's okay. I still love you. Let's get ice cream. There's going to be more times where that's going to happen. We have to be able to weather those times. And here I am sticking it out. 
And a lot of people have had abandonment in their history from parents, friends, loved ones. And so no one's really shown them that they'll stick it out. And then they feel unlovable. They feel undateable. Why will no one stay in my life through these difficult times? It's a hard one. We're going to talk more about that coming up next. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back. And I was just kind of talking about that painful experience for those that feel as though friends, family members, loved ones have left them when things were difficult or hard. And that can set us up to feel unlovable, undateable, unfriendable, and we don't trust. And people have shown us that we can't because they don't stick around when times are tough. Is that the kind of people you're choosing? Does that say more about them and that they're not healthy enough? They don't understand what trust and commitment are about? Or is it that you have work to do? so that you're healthy enough and safe enough for them to keep you in their life because how you manage and respond to difficult times matters. If when things are hard, you name call and you hit and, and you gossip and you bully, well then understandably you're not mature enough, healthy enough or safe enough for them to stick around and do this work with. Because the caveat around all this is that we're not being abusive in any way, shape or form. You can't do harmful things to someone when they upset you and let you down and then think, but why aren't they keeping me around and working through this? You have to do your part, which is you have to be worth being kept around. And we do that by staying soft and by staying safe. No one should keep someone unsafe in their life. And that's why I always give you those really hard examples where if someone, you know, lets you down or disappoints you and you key their car, you're not safe enough for them to stick around and work through with. You engaged in violence. You have work to do first, and then you can come back, form relationships, and expect to be kept kept around. If someone breaks up with you and you put them on blast and mock their body and make all these social media posts, well, then again, that's demonstrating the people around you. You're not safe enough for them to keep around because you do those kinds of harmful things when you're frustrated and let down. So you have to do your part. And that's what I work with couples on in couples therapy is how can we keep doing our part so that it is safe for our partners to stay with us and work through those difficult times, difficult times being when we're feeling distant, when we're not agreeing, when we have different needs, when we've let each other down or frustrated each other, things that are not abusive or toxic. Like that's always got to be the disclaimer added in all this. So again, we're talking about how trust and commitment are most and best demonstrated during difficult times based on what we do. Do we leave? Do we stick around? And that when we leave or exit, that's showing that it's conditional and that people will let you down and disappoint you many, many times over the course of your relationship to them. We stick it out. Then it moves into this other part about relationships are about some disruption. Compatibility isn't just having someone seamlessly dropped into your life as it is. And that's really hard for some people. And I always say, if you're not disrupted, then you're not in a real relationship because a real relationship means it's not just about my life and how it was. We are now creating something new and different. And that's also how we build trust and show commitment. I'm willing to let you change my life. I'm willing to let you disrupt the current structure and schedule. Someone new is being brought in, someone who has other needs and interests. It's not just about me anymore. It's also about this other person. And I allow for that and I accommodate that. That's an important thing to demonstrate. So make sure you're doing that. We need to have people in our lives that are doing that. We need to do that in our lives for other people. It's a feedback loop. The more we're doing that for others, hopefully they'll do that for us. But that's why when you're looking for friends, when you're dating, I always say you can, you learn the most about what's possible with that person and how healthy and sustainable that relationship can be when you see how they manage conflict. And that's why before we make any commitment to someone, we should wait until we experience some conflict to see what they do. Because that's what matters most, not how they act when things are feeling good or going well, because that is when it's easy. (laughs) We show our mental health based on what we do when things are difficult. 
even if it's not in relationship to us, we can watch how they manage other people during difficult times. That will get applied and acted out on you. So again, if you're seeing your friend really mistreat other people when they're disappointed or frustrated, they're going to do that to you when you do that to them. Be warned. But also ask yourself, because we're always assessing ourselves first, how do you, the person listening to me right now, how do you react? How do you deal with people in your life disappointing you, frustrating you, and letting you down? What are your favorite go-to responses? And are they healthy? Are they kind? Are they fair? Do they communicate to someone? I'm mature enough. I work through things. If not, work on it. That's what we need to be working on. Not assessing what others are doing. First assessing what do we do because we help create that. Sometimes if we withdraw some of our aggressiveness and our intensity, then it allows them to also raise their bar and to elevate and act from a higher level because they are responding to what we're inputting. They are re reacting to what we're doing. So let's be a little more thoughtful about what our reaction is. What, are, what is it we're putting into this relationship that they're then having to respond to? Um, that's important. It's always a feedback loop in any relationship. It's never just that person in isolation and a healthy person first says, wait a minute, what might I have done that has led to that? Wow, let me harness the control by changing what I'm inputting and then I get a different response. It's both. It's always nuanced. It's always complex. Um, so anyway, that came from a post. All right. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to do some DMs. So you know the drill. If you got a question for us, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. A question, topic you want us to hit, anything you want us to circle back, drop deeper into. It's always anonymous. It's always confidential. You're helping others as you're helping yourself. Someone else is probably worrying or wondering about the same issue. So beautiful learning moments in that. So uh, put them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and past episodes of the show because we have to learn and unlearn and relearn. And it's all about that repetition. Go to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down there for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. That's why I love podcasting. Can always be with you. You can listen to it many times. You can take it with you. So check that out over at wearechannelq.com. Otherwise, y'all stick around. We got a whole lot more to come. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Don't go away. All right, y'all. We are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm 36 years old, divorced twice, mom of one all right 36 divorced twice mama one bam i dated men in the past as i get older i find them less and less attractive and honestly kind of annoying i get it we have the highest rate of singledom right now in general and a uh, highest rate of single men and that's because men traditionally have uh, lower levels of intimacy tolerance not as great relational communication skills and women hetero women are just like i'm not dealing with it anymore so i guys got to step it up a little bit i understand how we got where we are but we still got a lot of work to do um i know where your question's going though you said i want to try dating women i think you should i think everyone should try dating the same gender see how it goes you might surprise yourself um you said but the two i've had interest in say they aren't willing to show me how to be gay how am i supposed to explore when people don't seem very receptive of me well i don't know what it means to show someone how to be gay relationships are relationships and even if you've dated women before every woman you date is going to be different and require different skills um there's no universal gay skill set it, it's the same thing whether i'm working with straight couples or gay couples yes gay people deal with homophobia and that's going to be a trauma that's woven in but nonetheless it's the same work boundaries intimacy, communication, all of that. Um, I wouldn't tell people that you haven't dated women before. You don't need to disclose that. A lot of people disclose things like that out of anxiety just to get 
acceptance or reassurance around it, don't do that. Just like if someone's never dated before at all or never had sex, you don't need to disclose that. In fact, I would withhold that because that's it's called privacy and having boundaries. Not everyone gets to hear everything about you. Uh, people do that on dating apps and on first dates. I need you to know this, I need you to know that. Why don't you just chill, have some confidence in yourself, lead from your better parts, let them enjoy you, get to know them, and let them earn the right to more triggering information that's private. It's called healthy boundaries. So just set a boundary. You don't need to share that. There's no reason to share that. There's nothing for them to do with that. You know, it's like some people marry the first person they've ever dated. Um, not everyone gets out there and has a history of anything. And that doesn't mean that that person who married the first person they dated is bad relationally. They might be better relationally because they have less baggage and less trauma from having dated a lot. So I would withhold that. Um, all right, we got time for another one. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, what are your favorite self-help books? Oh my God. Um, I don't know that self-help world very, very well. A lot of them are written by people that aren't therapists. And so some of them are like kind of corny and just, I don't know. I, you know, it's like when someone asks me about dating apps, it depends on who's on them. It's not the app itself. I appreciate that books are different because it's based on the author. You're going to have to do that homework on your own. I wish I had a better answer. It depends on the topic. It depends on the author. One book that's right for some person might not be right for somebody else. Um, you mentioned though you wanted it around anxiety. So I would look for a book that focuses on cognitive behavioral therapy and anxiety, CBT and anxiety, so you can learn skills, period, end of story. They're a little dry, but they're beautifully helpful. I use CBT on myself almost every day to help me really check my thinking, et cetera, et cetera. So that's my advice. There's really good books on that. So CBT and anxiety and just apply it to yourself. Try to find something that's a little user-friendly, read the reviews. Always read the reviews and they'll explain to you if it's more for a clinician or more for the general population. But there's some really great workbooks and things like that. You could probably find all that just online and not even need to buy the book. Um, yeah, but I'm very thoughtful before I make a reference to a person, a place, or a thing. Um, I like to vet it myself and that's why I don't refer to much, but I don't know that world too well. All the reading I do is very clinical. People ask me a lot of questions assuming I'm just always out there gathering resources and networking and like I'm not. I'm a horrible referral service. I I, I don't know. I, I train a lot of people, but I'm not necessarily networking. So I always tell people I'd rather them do their own research and interview and do their own thing. You know, I kind of stay outside of that. So you let me know what you find though. All right, y'all, if you got a question, Put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Always open. We want to hear from you. Whatever you're struggling with, someone else is too. Always anonymous. Always confidential. And past episodes of the show is over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. Binge post for listen and share. I work hard on these topics. And I'm really a big fan of repeating things, circling back through topics, approaching them through different entry points, different examples, because um, we got to build it in. We need that repetition. So... You know, you'll hear a lot of the common themes I'm talking about, just I'm applying them through different lenses and things like that. So we are channelq.com is where you want to go for that. Like I said, questions, topics in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Y'all don't go anywhere though. We got a whole lot more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right, we're back and uh, changing gears, transitioning. Uh, talked on the show before about existential anxiety, um, leftover responses from COVID, self-care, boundaries, lifestyle fatigue, all these different things. And I was looking at some research around burnout. We've talked about that, but a lot of people are asking me like, how do I, uh, 
how to do how do I do the best I can within that concept? I know it's hard, and that's why I always remind everyone. If you hear me often on the closing of the show, I'll say give everything seventy percent max, so that we're not living in burnout. Trying to give everything a hundred percent isn't possible. Perfectionism is born out of anxiety. Perfectionism is born out of the idea that we're not good enough. Perfectionism is born out of the idea that uh, there's a right way to do things. Perfectionism is born out of always trying to give a hundred percent and not instead settling into the messy chaoticness that is normal life and authenticity. So, um, fumbling, fumbling around doing research on something else, I saw someone put together some research on how to be more productive. And I thought interesting concept while also acknowledging that we don't necessarily need to be more productive, but at times we want to be maybe functioning at a higher level than we are. So it's kind of like, let's talk about it, but through the understanding that we are backing off and backing down and resting more and finding more joy and pleasure. Because some some people are just a little distressed at the low-level functioning that they're at right now. And so I normalize it. That's the first thing I'm always trying to do on the show is normalizing it. You are not the only one. Uh, multiple patients are coming into my practice every week talking about this. So, But for those that don't relate to it, God bless you. Those that are like, what are y'all talking about? <laughs> you know, springy, spring in their step. Life is well. They always seem caffeinated. Um so let's talk about how to kind of push through. And there are some interesting things in this. I thought one of the most important ones was really paying attention to your energy levels. And, and again, we've talked about this on the show, how everyone starts their day with a certain amount of energy. Everyone's is different. We can't have the same expectations on others that we have on ourselves or vice versa. Um, and that's, there's a, you know, a complex set of things that come together that create the amount of energy you might wake up with and have for the day. And so it really is about figuring out what do I need to do today? How much energy do I have and what's truly possible? So what am I saying? I don't know. Set the expectations appropriately, dropping them down, but also saying what, what is really reasonable for me today? And it might be very, something very low. Okay, go with that. Expectations are really meaningful because they're arbitrary. They are made up. What we think we should be doing today, this week, this month, this year with our life is often rooted in comparison to what others are doing or have done or can do. That is a false problematic lens to use. You are not them. They are not you. You don't know the resources they have. We know that like 75% of successful wealthy people have inherited that money and doors have been opened for them that have helped them. There's no such thing as a self-made millionaire. If you look at the millionaires and what's gone on in their lineage, we understand how they got there. You also don't know what supports, resources, or things are going on in other people's lives so as to determine what they might have achieved. I had to do that early on in my career. Other people in my career are publishing a new book every year, always doing a television project. I do television here and there. I've released two books, slowly taking my time working on the other one. I'm not going to compare myself to them. I don't know what's going on in their lives. I don't know what kind of support they have or resources, but I have to be realistic with myself. And so you have to say to yourself, what's really possible? So start with that. Not just like how much energy do I have today? What's possible today, but what's possible in general? And where am I getting the idea of what I'm holding myself accountable to? Where, where have I inherited these expectations and how can I just give them back? Because it's really you against yourself. There is no imaginary audience assessing you. And if there are, let them have their own assessments, which are going to be different. Uh, there are people that are constantly like, when's your next book? When's your next book? Why aren't you doing television? And it's like, oh my God, that's not a reasonable expectation for me based on what I'm going, what's going on in my life right now. Other things are there. That's why I'm not really posting much on social media. I can't be bothered. People are like, oh, you should be making this into a reel. It'll get more views. Don't care. Don't care. <laughs> I don't live and die. My worth and value are not tied to my social media. It's for fun. As long, as long as it's fun, I'll keep it going. As soon as it's not fun, I'll delete it. Not making that big of a deal of it. I understand that for some people, it's their entire job, their entire livelihood. 
Great. God bless. Do your thing. I don't care. That's why you'll see I have grammar mistakes because I don't care. As long as you understand my message, the formatting strange because I don't care lovingly. You know, I understand what's important. Just getting my message out there. It's not that deep. Other things. Okay. So check in on your expectations. Where have they come from? Are they appropriate? And then we have to kind of shrink them down. What expectations do I have myself today and this week? I'm a big fan of a calendar. I think it is helpful to draw one. I don't buy them. I draw them. It's very simple to do. Just get out a pen, put some lines on it, put in the dates. And I really look at what's going on, where things are, how much time and energy I have. We've talked about the joy calendar where you use a calendar to assess how much socializing am I doing? How much fun am I having? Putting things on it in different colors. Like I said, you have the anticipatory excitement of seeing things on there, but also the experience of doing those things. But I also think we should be putting things on a calendar to say, whoa, look at how many things I have on my plate for this week. Of course I can't take on more, do much more. Look at how much I have on my plate for the day. No more, no more. And as I always say in that calendar, build in downtime, which is not free time. That downtime is schedule time where you're not available to do other things. That is where you're going to be taking a nap, masturbating, reading, drawing, painting, dancing. I don't care what you do, but make it rooted in joy, pleasure, leisure, and rest. And it is not about productivity and is not about income. And you safeguard that time. But again, we're mapping it all out to see what's really possible. When I started to do that, I was blown away by how much I was trying to accomplish in one day. And I was like, looking at it, not reasonable to do cooking, grocery shopping, laundry, radio, clinical practice, do some lecturing, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to come back and talk more about it. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Oh, Rachel, we're back and uh, talking about how in a healthy way to maybe raise our level of functioning and doing and to do more, but understanding our worth and our values. A person isn't tied to how much work we're doing, how much we're producing. I was talking about looking at where we're getting the expectations from that we have on ourselves and what we should be doing. Big fan of putting it all on a calendar to see how much you shouldn't be doing or can be doing or could be doing. Sometimes when you put it all down, you're like, that's too much for one week. That's too much for one day. Let me push it off. Also really protecting our downtime. Downtime is not free time. Downtime is important time. I want us to really prioritize it and understand its purpose and value. That isn't free time. Okay. So that's what I wanted to just start with is just the larger picture on all that. Um, and then it kind of moves into a lot of research talks consistently about making lists. As long as it doesn't become tyrannical where you're constantly stressed out or overloaded by the list. I'm a list maker because it helps me keep in context, what it is I'm trying to do. Um, and then I also know it'll get done at some point, even if that was the list for today, I'm like, I know if it's on there, I will eventually get to it. And I can feel the positive impact of crossing things off. Um, and that list isn't always for today. It's just things I need to do. And I get to them when I get to them. Cause again, I'm trying to build in more rest and joy and pleasure. I'm trying to do less labor, less work, but it seems like sometimes it just never ends. I was saying that to my brother the other day. I was like, I always have some, one other thing I need to go do, you know, it's, it's exhausting. Um, and that's why we're considering the bigger picture and we're understanding that what we have to do that we have written down on our calendar is going to impact our mood and our available energy to do other things. So definitely think about it in that context. I love that the studies talk about, it's a little bit of a quote, that feeling unhappy leads to lower productivity levels. So it's vital to incorporate activities you enjoy into your schedule. I love that. Again, that's why I talk about the joy calendar, making sure you're punctuating your busy day, week, and month with things that are just fun. We need to be reminded that we are actively doing that and prioritizing that. Um, so that's kind of the basics. We've talked a lot about setting boundaries, so we're not going to really talk more about that. I feel like we've kind of hit that consistently. Um, 
So then how do we set those boundaries though, right? What are we pushing back on? Um, I want people to say no more. We need to practice saying no, saying no without any explanation. An explanation implies that there's a fragility to our no or that it's a flexible, maybe we'll change our mind no. It also gives people an opportunity to talk us out or challenge it. It's better to just say, yeah, no, unfortunately I'm not available for that. Uh, concise no's. I'm working with a lot of couples on doing that, um, even with each other. Even learning how to practice self-care while in the context of a primary relationship or a marriage or being a parent, because we sometimes think that we're not allowed to take time to ourselves, even if the person's in the house. You know, People feel bad saying, hey, Saturday, I was gonna go off on my own to a coffee shop for a few hours. Like, I'll see you later that day. Like, People feel as though when they're in a relationship, they can't do things on their own. I wanna remind you, you can and you should. I want you to say, Saturday is gonna do a me day. You know, I'll see you Saturday night. And your partner should lovingly be like, have a great time, I love you. Anything other than that's problematic. You got some deeper issues to work on, but I want people to still do me time, especially when living with someone and having a family and kids. As I always say, I want you to participate in all your identities. Okay, so you have kids and you're married. There should be family time. There should be one-on-one -on -one couple time. And then there should be you and friends alone time. And then you alone time. Yeah, build it all in days or hours where you're like, I'm gonna go to uh, you know yoga and then I'm gonna go hiking and then I'm gonna go maybe window shopping. I'll see you tonight. And then you'll see maybe tonight that we'll do a date, just the two of us, get a babysitter. Tomorrow we'll do something as a family. Maybe the night after you're like, I'm gonna go meet up with my friends. I'll see you when I get back. That's the, that's the structure. Now, of course, we can't maybe build that into every week. The way I just put that together, that to me sounds socially exhausting. I would never wanna do that much in one weekend but that's a little bit of a vision of what it could look like. Um, another thing I want to remind people is that exercise and movement helps us get better able to do more movement. Um, exercise can be depleting and exhausting, so check in on that, make sure you're not overtraining, but the more moving we do and the more we do, the more we're able to do. We're able to handle a higher load of stress. Uh, of course, we're not trying to get familiar living in or moving into burnout, but for people that feel like they're really backing away from everything, what we call behavioral deactivation, which is how we often further depress ourselves, it's always about moving towards. And so I always say, and I've said this on the show before, when in doubt, go out. When in doubt, go have an experience. When in doubt, go do something. Um, doing nothing is important and meaningful, but for some of us, it becomes our default and uh, further, again, depresses us and keeps anxiety in play. So it's about moving towards those stressors. Um, so get moving and also just exercise is good for your mood and everything else. So I'm a big fan of that. Um, and I also think that there's space to maybe get into some therapy if you're really struggling. Some people need therapy to understand like what is the larger core issue that's keeping me from participating meaningfully in my life in the way I want to. Um, undealt with mental health issue, drug and alcohol issue, uh, unresolved trauma, do I just need the motivation? Do I need to figure out how to plan better? Um, what, what might be blocking me? You know, we can have a lot of different blocks and we're not always able to uh, self-assess as much as a professional or even just talking it out with a friend can help us. Because again, also that's that like whole intimacy building that I, I'm a big fan of. And this whole topic is another example where we use our struggles to build closeness and intimacy and trust with people we care about by taking it to them. It lets them know we're the kind of friend and this is the kind of relationship where we can do that. So then they'll be you know, safe and comfortable coming to you, but also it helps us talk it out, get a little bit of input, but also in that process, as we discuss that content, also learning how to tolerate more intimacy and vulnerability.
talk it out. I think you'll be surprised that there's a lot of people that are struggling with this profoundly as well. Again, in my office, I'm consistently normalizing this by saying to people, you are not alone. This is not pathological or a disorder. It's just a difference right now. It's an obstacle. A lot of people are going through it. Crank down the intensity. Don't make it worse by saying, and it shouldn't be, and there's something wrong with me because this is happening, because we tend to do that. Something's going on and we make it worse. Let me shame myself for it as well. Let me pathologize myself for it as well. And it's like, don't do that. Just let it be what it is. Huh, I'm struggling with this thing. Doesn't have to be any deeper than that. How can I maybe overcome it? How can I maybe partner with someone in us supporting each other and overcoming it? Um, all right, we're going to come back. We'll talk more and then we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a question for us, a topic you want us to hit, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. That's where we put all the good stuff, past episodes of the show. Always over at wearechannelq.com. Stick around though, we got a whole lot more to come, so don't you go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, talking about how to kind of reorient our thinking in a mental health-centered way around productivity and getting things done. Because remember, we all have to set limits, we all have to have boundaries, and you know, downtime and wasting time is a basic human need. And we have to stop undermining and devaluing that. That is of worth and value doing nothing. We are so afraid of nothingness. Um, kind of use these examples all the time on the show. <laughs> waiting in line for coffee at the gym and how everyone jumps right to something stimulus driven and goes on their phones. We've really lost the ability to sit with stillness. And so killing time, downtime, resting, wasting time isn't illegitimate. It's an important thing. It's when our systems kind of heal. So. Although we've been talking a little bit about how to maybe move towards some of our goals, we still want to remember that words like lazy are often signs that you are doing what your body needs, which is to rest. We're not grabbing coffee or Red Bull. We're honoring our bodies and we're resting because too many people I work with are living in or on the edges of burnout one minute away or they're already full blown in. And so what are the solutions? Not always to push through and to do more. The solutions are often about setting limits, resting more, focusing on play, but not pushing through it. Um, because that's what's, I mean, that's one of the things we've really been socialized in our culture to do is ignore what our body is telling us it needs. You know, we're, we're trained from grade school to sit up straight, to ignore what your body's needing. If your body's like listening, I need, you know, your body might say, I need to stand or I need to move. Nope, you're gonna sit straight and sit in a chair for the entire school day, et cetera, et cetera. And that moves on into our adulthood. So we're, we're often doing the opposite. Um, so what is the work? It's about having goals and achieving them. You know, there's no shame in having something you wanna build or work towards. So it's not about pathologizing that, but it's also about honoring that there is something meaningful and important in the other side of that. I did tell you the guys this anecdote on the show, but I'll use it again. I was away for New Year's and everyone was going around saying what their New Year's goal was and everyone had these big lofty goals. And I said, I'm working on doing less. I'm working on working less. I'm working on just focusing more on pleasure and joy and leisure. And, and that was, heads were exploding. They couldn't conceive of such a thing. They couldn't conceive of me openly owning it or having confidence in it. Everyone thought, oh, but what's next? We've got to be working towards something. And I was like, no, not really. I'm trying to back off, back down, do less, clear my calendar more. You know, and again, it's also relative to what you had been doing. I, prior to COVID, was juggling a lot of different things at one time, trying to do way too much. And um, that's one of the things that COVID kind of afforded me was this understanding that it's not a good idea. 
And I think COVID brought some of us to our knees and we realized that we have limits we didn't realize we had, um, or we found value in doing less and we needed that experience for us to be reminded of that. Um, interesting, you know, we're used to always being on the go, always being on the run. And then when we didn't have access to pretty much anything for somewhat of a long period of time, I don't remember how long that was when everything was literally closed, but what was that weeks where, you couldn't go, there was nowhere to go. <laughs> I think we weren't even, we weren't supposed to go and there was nowhere to go. Um, it was a really powerful time where people were really forced to confront their relationship to activity versus stillness. Um, and I started to find more value in stillness where historically I hit the ground running, y'all. I'm one of those people where I hit the ground running and I'm also a morning person. And so what's I was like, what is sleeping in? What is having a quiet, slow morning? I always hit the ground running and I was off doing stuff. And so COVID really forced me to settle in and say, what am I trying to avoid in that space? Or how can I find more value in it? Because there's literally nowhere to go. And now that the world is quote unquote open again, I'm trying to take that forward. So anyway, achieve your goals set them, hold it loosely, don't tie your worth and value to it and find meaning in stillness and in doing less. Because I'm also seeing where this is leaking into how people are running their relationships, where they're expecting them to always be full of joy and full of energy and they're not allowing for any neutrality or stillness or difficult times. Um, we're always looking at what's in it for us, what's in it for me and we're very perfectionistic. Um, and it really works against us. So we're doing things differently. I was doing some research and I really liked this focal point of looking more um, through a lens of quality and not activity uh, or quantity, but what is the quality? And when we back off and back down, the quality tends to be higher, not running around doing so much with so many people and thereby not really dropping deeply or spending enough time with any of those pieces or people. Um, and that's why I, for me as an introvert, um, I already naturally kind of value that, but as someone who's always lived in big cities and is a kind of get up and go kind of guy, those two things were a little bit at odds because one is low stimulation, one is high stimulation. And I've started to kind of find that natural balance, but I think we all have to kind of ask ourselves, is, is my, um, uh, uh, over is my primary focus that I place upon work and achievement to the detriment of having quality within my relationships and all the other things that are important to me because we only have so much time and energy to go around. Okay, I'm looking at the clock. We'll be back. Gonna be hitting up some DMs. So if you got some DMs for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you wanna sit, circle back, drop deeper into. Past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. We'll be back, y'all. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all. We are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm struggling with long-term commitment. I'll date someone. They'll do something that I don't like. And then it's like my emotions turn off and I'm done with them. Never had a relationship for more than two years. For instance, my last girlfriend was amazing. I was so attracted to her. Then I found out she's pretty careless with her money. But once I found out, I was over. See, this is, here's the, ready? I don't want to be, what's the word? Uh, I don't want to be annoying, but um, the work is to stop doing that, right? Like that, that's either an avoidant attachment style um, or perfectionism or fear of intimacy. Uh, you might think it's about the money. It might be that this person's getting too deep and too close. I don't know. You need therapy. I say that very lovingly, but you need therapy. You need therapy to understand what is driving this and how do I overcome this? But my lazy, simple answer is stop doing it. Recognize that you do that. Again, you're one of those people. It sounds like that you want perfect. And if something isn't perfect, you make too much meaning out of it and catastrophize it. Decide that you're not compatible and you bounce. You have to learn how to stick around. So I always say to people like you, stay longer, let some things be, otherwise you are trying to make everything perfect. And so whenever someone says, yeah, but I need them to change this, I'm like, some things you have to just accept. If every time something's wrong or off, you have to fix it, then you're trying to work towards perfect and that doesn't exist. So accept that. Also, focus more on people's positives. When you are realized, because again, this is work. You have to do the work with your thinking. When you notice you're thinking about what's wrong, you have to acknowledge it and say to yourself, let me spend some time thinking about what's right. Let me celebrate what's right. You have to work with your thinking. 
And a lot of people are lazy and they're like, just tell me this one quick, easy trip. There's no such thing as a quick, easy tip to do anything. It's an ongoing practice. If you are constantly focusing on the negatives and, and kicking them out because of that, you have to start to challenge that when it's happening and focus on the positives and celebrate that. Stick around longer than you want so as to extend your tolerance for intimacy and also get into some therapy to work on that. Because you're right, this could be something that's quite toxic and could really get in the way of a lot of different areas of your life. But there's something in that. There's a reason why you keep repeating that. So go into some therapy and figure it out. I don't want to diminish it by just saying, you know, whatever. So that's my advice. All right. We got time for another one. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my girlfriend, I'm sorry. No, my friend has a huge crush on this girl, but the girl treats her more like an assistant than a match. My friend will watch her dog, pick her up from the airport. My friend tells me that behind closed doors, the girl's great. It's just, I don't see that. How do I tell my friend it's time to let this girl go? You don't. You mind your business. This friend isn't abusive. This friend isn't toxic. You just don't like the way they treat them, but that's okay. You don't have to. <laughs> your friend enjoys them. Your friend likes them. Learn how to deal with your impulses to speak up by not and let your friend be where they are. We, you know, there's something problematic and patronizing when we think we know what someone else needs. And unless it's dangerous, violent, abusive, or toxic, we have to mind our own business. We don't get to choose who other people's friends are. We don't get to choose who other people date. And we have to start reeling that back in. Your friend does a lot for this person. Your friend enjoys them. That makes you uncomfortable somehow. You'd rather the other, you know, the partner do more, but they don't. But that just means you shouldn't have that kind of relationship with someone then. But your friend is content and happy with it and going along with it. Let them enjoy themselves. Mind your business. You know, we don't know what other people need. We don't know what's best for them. And we have to learn how to not get frustrated when we see them living in the world in a way we don't like. It's not about us and we're making it about us. So you have to learn how to tolerate that better, deal with your impulses to speak up and focus on your friend being happy and supporting that as opposed to challenging that because you're going to be the one that's booted before that girl is because that's that tends to be how that goes. So don't become an enemy of the relationship because this friend isn't doing anything violent or abusive. And so, you know, back out of that back out of that. We only want to get involved if we see violence or abuse. And even then we can't change people. I don't want us to be able to change people because I don't know what other people need and neither do you, you know? So just support and love. That's, that's the message. Um, all right, y'all, if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Love Energy page, questions, topics, things you want to hit, circle back, drop deeper into, bam, put them all in there. Um, we are channelq.com. So we're going to go to check out past episodes of the show, scroll down, look for Love Line and click on it. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow night, though, so join us then. Between now and then, though, be kind to yourselves, be kind to those around you. Work at 70% max because we're not trying to live in burnout or to get stuck in burnout. Be kind to yourself and those around you always. Thank you for letting me be a part of your journey. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But um, y'all have a good rest of your night. Good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 